You are listening to the Global CTE Podcast with your host, Sylvester Chisholm. Welcome, my friend, to another episode of the Global CTE Podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. This is the place where we want to wrap a blanket of goodwill around the career tech education community and share the best, the brightest, the innovators, the creators, the people who are really pushing CTE to the max to prepare our students for success in the global marketplace. Today is no different. We are in for a treat, let me tell you. I have my good friend, Dr. Nzinga Williams here today. Now, let me tell you about Dr. Williams. She is the director of CTE at Central Piedmont Community College in Charlotte, North Carolina, where she provides leadership in the strategic planning of career and tech education pathway creation, maintenance, and innovation. Nzinga is a member of ACTE, and she's also a 2019 post-secondary leadership fellow for ECMC and ACTE. She's also a 2021 NCSU research fellow for ECMC and NCSU. She's the author of the award-winning dissertation entitled History Doesn't Decide for Us, a case study of Black parents and their perception of career and technical education with an in-depth look at the philosophies of Booker T. Washington and W.E. Du Bois. I cannot wait to dig into that. She is the host of the CTE and Color podcast, which is a continuation of Dr. Williams' dissertation. Dr. Nzinga Williams, welcome to the Global CTE podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am so excited. <laughs> Super yes, excited. Yes, yes listen, yeah. um, I'm always searching for people who are doing innovative things mm -hmm. um, in the U.S., across the world. And when someone sent me a link to your dissertation and to your podcast, and I was like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> this I, I'm like, I have to talk to her. I have to know her. Mm -hmm. I have to, I want to share her her insights, her thoughts with the community. Um so we're definitely going to get into that into that dissertation. But before we do that, like, how do you end up here? Like, what's your CTE journey? What's your origin story? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's interesting you ask that question because I think about it often. It really starts in high school. You know, um, I took CTE classes in high school, didn't know that I was taking career and technical education class. So early childhood, criminal justice, took those two. I took them because I just wanted to earn some extra college credit so I could, you know, shorten my time in college. Um, fast forward to uh, 2012, I've graduated college. I have my first job and I'm trying to figure out what's next. Where do I belong? Um, I A grant that I was on at a job that I had right out of college, I was blessed to get a job right out of college from an internship that I did um that grant ended and so I found myself unemployed for a little while mm -hmm. and an opportunity came up at the local community college in Raleigh North Carolina Wake Tech for me to work as an office assistant to their BLET basic law enforcement training academy okay. so I did that um and I fell in love with working with students working in the training academy under working with our different municipalities mm -hmm. and law enforcement and um met a man <laughs> okay okay we ended up uh getting engaged and i moved to charlotte and i continued okay. working with blet here in charlotte north carolina so that's how i ended up in charlotte um oh. i met my husband and he that's wooed awesome. me over <laughs> and i said well <laughs> let me let me figure out how i can get to charlotte and um <laughs> the lord blessed me so that i could actually land the same position that i had at wake tech at central piedmont community college working with the basic law enforcement training academy so I did that for about uh, maybe two years. And then my dean at the time said, hey, I have this position. Would you look at the job description and let me know if you're interested in it? And I said, well, sure. I'll look at it. I'm interested in the interview for it, got the position, and I became a career technical education coordinator. Mm -hmm. And so as a coordinator, that's when I really got immersed into the space of career and technical education. And I was... Uh, taken back to my time in high school because I was like wow I was doing this all along and at the time when I was in high school didn't know it uh, come to find out career and technical education really helped 
me kind of decide what I wanted to do after I graduated high school. And I had no idea that it was that avenue that did that for me. So um, ever since then, ever since 2016, started as a CT coordinator and just progressed along the way. Um, in 2019, they asked at my college who wanted to take over Perkins and help manage that and cultivate those relationships within yeah. the faculty and our programs of study. And I was like, I do. You know, I'm the person <laughs> I, I like federal law. <laughs> I like to read legislation. I mean, I get geeked out by it. But um, so, again, another piece of CTE that Perkins legislation and being able to kind of take the legal side of career and technical education and make it work for students and benefit students on their behalf and not just students, but faculty, right? Cause they benefit Ooh. from it too. So let's, let's, oh, let's stop. Let's stay there for a one okay. second because, okay. How <laughs> give me some, I need to hear some tips because I feel the passion around the Perkins and I know a mm -hmm. lot of CTE directors, that's sometimes the part that people are not the most excited about dealing with. Mm -hmm. So like, give me some best practices that you've learned or seen or experienced for using that Perkins to really benefit the students at the highest mm -hmm. level. What, what, any insights to share? Yeah. So that's a good, that's a good question. I can definitely see why people don't like it because, because it can be daunting and that I, I feel like Perkins is one of those grants that is heavily evolved. It's always evolving. And when it got reauthorized in 2018, it required us to be more intentional about how we spend those dollars. So no longer mm -hmm. were we able to just say, I'm going to buy equipment and that's it. That's all I'm going to do. We had to be, we had to think through how we were going to impact students, which for me, like, like I said before, I got really excited because I could really see law in practice. Okay. Um, so I think the things that keep me excited about putting law in practice is partnering with my faculty because mm -hmm. they are excited about what they're teaching. So when they come to me with an idea on how they want to use Perkins dollars, you know, it's not for me to use the law against them to say, oh, you can't use it that way. It's like, okay, I hear your idea. Here is where Perkins can help with that. It may not be able to help with your full vision, mm -hmm. um, but here is where Perkins can really help with this area. And then we can build upon it from there. Or maybe this year we can't do the full dream. We can mm -hmm. allot 20,000 to it. And then next year, maybe build on top of that. You know, so it's 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 in the, the project management of it. And it's also in helping other people dream about their programs. Because I find sometimes that faculty get bright ideas by just us just having a conversation. And so I always start out a planning meeting with Perkins. Like, okay, tell me your biggest dream. Like, where do you see your program in 10 years tell me that and then let's work backwards to figure out how we can get you there so that's how I, I keep it from being stale um and then I I don't try to regurgitate the federal policy to faculty I just again okay what do you want what is the the latest thing you want or equipment you want now tell me how that's going to help students if they can connect it to how it's going to help students then we can do it mm -hmm. so I, I I'm hearing you're pushing and connecting the dream, the dream of 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 building something that's going to be in service of students mm -hmm. or the school, uh, mm -hmm. and connecting it with students, but pushing that dream and and challenging your your educators, the people who are going to use those funds, to dream big about their vision and see where Perkins can. It may not be able to do like let's let's graduate this thing. Like, yeah, let's <laughs> like we could we could start here. It may not mm -hmm. be able to fund the entire dream, but at least a piece of the dream. I, I like mm -hmm. I like that. That's mm -hmm. that's insightful. That that mm -hmm. is really insightful. And then mm -hmm. some, and I do notice that sometimes too, people sometimes struggle with like no, you have to make it plain and clear. How does this benefit the students? That has to be top priority. Mm -hmm. uh, top priority in it. Um, I know we, and we how it benefits the stakeholders, right? Because yes. our our uh, programs of study at the post secondary level, you know, we we're getting them in jobs. So if this mm -hmm. Perkins can provide a, a best practice or an industry certification or something, so that when an employer comes to our front door as educators and say, "I need you know ten students that have training in X, Y, and Z," I that's how I present it to faculty too. Like mm -hmm. Perkins can help with that. 
We can, mm-hmm. we can make sure that the industry partners that you're servicing, because most of the time they're the ones having the conversation, not me, right? I'm not talking. I talk to industry sometimes, but majority of the time it's our faculty because they have the connections. They're the ones getting the phone call. Oftentimes they're the ones putting them in jobs. So mm-hmm. here is how that can even help with your part, your industry partner relationship, because we have a funding source that can help build on those relationships. So on those relationships. Yeah. I love it. Let me, yeah. let me ask you, let me ask you this. Um, I noticed in your work at, at at Central Piedmont Community College, you you all are big on the trade day events. Um, talk to me about the importance of that, or any best practices on creating those those events, because I I'm seeing more. I'm seeing a desire for more schools, more districts, more post secondary trying to create these events. But how do you create one to make it successful? I'm curious, these trade days. Man, so so much so much goes into these trade days. Um, and they are amazing events. I think um one of the biggest things are your partnerships. So we don't do it alone as an institution. Um, we have ACE mentoring, which is architectural construction and engineering. They're an organization here in our community that honestly, they kind of drive that trades day. And we come in as a partner. We say, hey, we have the facilities. We have, um, we also have the industry partners. You do too. But we don't try to like hoard the event, if that makes sense. Like it mm-hmm. is our event. And the bigger we can spread the partnership, the the, the better it is for the students. Uh, and so a lot of times we are partners with our K-12. They're bought in, right? They've committed to bringing the students to our campus on that particular day. And so we work with them closely to know the date, know the time, know what our capacity is. So some of these events, it's, it's grown. I think the first one we had um, was like maybe 150 students came. Um, mm-hmm. the, the last one we've had, we've increased it to like 300 or 400 students, high school students on our campuses. Um, and so the other piece too, for from the education standpoint or the community college standpoint is we wanna make sure we help students connect what they're learning at K-12 in their CTE programs to our pathways. So it doesn't feel like a huge jump. And those trades days allow us to do that. And then also add the exploration piece. So we make it fun, we make it interactive. And then again, like our industry partners, they're excited about it too, because Mm -hmm. they're fully aware that the next generation doesn't really know what their industry is. So even in our conversation with them, it's like, if you're going to participate, let's make sure whatever you bring is interactive. It's engaging. It gets them excited. Right. So um, the very, very, very fun event. They are a lot of work, but it's so rewarding in the end to see students eyes open and come back and take a a class with us. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. You so you invite the high schools from the area too Mm -hmm. to to your events. I love Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. How do you, I'm curious about that. Just last question. What, um, how do you measure success for, for any, for those trade events? Mm -hmm. Like what equals success to you on those or to your org? To, I would say, um, numbers of students that actually show up on that day. We want to see the turnout on that day because we put in so much work. So, you know, our students showing up and then how many of those students come back to us or, or engage with us? in something else. So whether or not they decide to uh, participate in dual enrollment or if they even decide to do something at their high school, um, that is considered a success. Do they come back to us after they graduate? So they've graduated high school. um, Mm -hmm. They heard about our construction management program. So now they want to come back and take that class or, or that program of study. So that's how, how we look at success. so you so you have um is is it charlotte mecklenburg that's your um like big public school mm-hmm. charlotte mecklenburg you, schools uh-huh. mm-hmm. do you um you all offer dual enrollment in like some of these construction classes you're saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh wow that's cool. yeah yeah so we have um a partnership with the organization here called the rock um okay. and charlotte mecklenburg schools and us where uh-huh. students are able to do um, those programs in the afternoons. Um, and then we also have 
the traditional kind of dual enrollment where they come on our campuses. So the rock is it, that's all they do is construction trades, HVAC, wow. electrical systems. They have plumbing, construction management. Uh, and then they can go to one of our, our Harper campus where a lot of our, our programs are at welding is there and those okay. sort of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I, I love seeing those integrations and collaboration um, from the community colleges four years to K-12, like really trying to get these kids to figure it out as early as they can. Like let them find themselves in the work. Like you said, like, I'm not sure what I want to do, but Mm -hmm. maybe coming to this trade day, I I see something. I'm like, okay, that's, that's me. I could, I could do that. Uh, I want to know more. Yeah. And we, we just had another event um, two weekends ago. Um, it was a mass casualty incident demonstration, and that was more for our healthcare and public safety programs. That was our first one ever. Um, and um, it was a great opportunity for people to see how these individuals work together and really how the world of work in that space operates. So when you we had two scenarios, one was a uh, one of our our city buses collided with a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second scenario was a bomb went off and you had uh, um, he, all these casualties. Um, and we had students that came and they were actors or role players. We had um, our fire CMPD here. Um, we had our medic students who are in our medic program, our health science students that are in all of our health science programs. They all participated and they were able to do hands-on what they learned in the classroom they were able actually to do that there and then we had people observe and they got to see how it works when a call is made and who the who responds first is it the ambulance or is it the firefighter is it the police department and what is actually being called on the radio like it was it was the most coolest thing ever and Mm -hmm. we had a job fair like in between the scenarios so people like we had our major hospitals coming to set up tables to talk about what they do um and um, I was able, our medic, um, medic, which is um, our ambulance uh, provider here, um, okay. they brought a mannequin that was a pregnant woman. And so okay. I was able to deliver a baby for the first time. <laughs> so that was cool. <laughs> oh, man. That's it. Like, that was the last thing I thought you were going to say. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so that was really cool. <laughs> and I delivered a baby. What'd you do? That's what, when you came home. What, how was work, babe? Oh, yeah, I delivered a baby. Oh, I had so many pictures. I was like, oh, I am earning this doctor title. I have, I can put MD on my, no, I'm just joking. Oh, was, that's hilarious. Okay. All right, look, let's, uh, let's transition. I want to jump into this dissertation, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, History doesn't decide for us a case study of black parents and their perception of career and technical education with an in-depth look at the philosophies of Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois. Wow. Uh, So much power in that. How did you select this subject matter? Like, Mm -hmm. What what problem or what talk to me about that? So it was really when I was a part of the um, ACT post-secondary fellow. I had just started my doctoral program in 2018 and the fellowship in 2019. Um, And I'm always one. I'm like, I'm gonna work smarter, not harder. So I'm like, I'm in this doctoral program. So what can I do that? is CTE focused so that I could everything that I do can align every article that I read aligns with what what I'm doing at my actual job and I can mm-hmm. finish this dissertation. So um I we were in a workshop and a shout out to Dominique Foots. She was one of the colleagues in the fellowship with me and she put a question in the chat. She was like, so you know, how do we uh decipher or deal with the discord between Booker T. Washington and W. B. Du Bois? And when she put that question in the chat, I was like Hmm. I think we were in an equity, diversity, inclusion workshop. I can't remember what the workshop was, but mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? You know, we, we, I know where I'm at. We, it's like sometimes pulling teeth for our, our black students to take advantage mm-hmm. of career and technical education. And 
with Perkins Five, you know, there's a huge focus on special populations, and there's a lot of intersectionality with those special props category as relate to our Black American students. So I'm just like, I want to answer the question, why don't they participate? And I know that there is a discord be- between Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois. How mm-hmm. relevant is that today? And how much does that play on the psyche of Black parents when they're having conversations with their students? Because they're the key stakeholders, like as educators, as teachers, counselors, we have conversations all day, every day. But when that child, that student goes home and they see their circumstances, they hear the conversations that their parents are having or their guardians, whoever's taking care of them, those are the ones that's driving their decision-making. So I want to know what what the Black parents think about this and how much does this discord between the two of them play into that decision mm-hmm. in those conversations. So that's that's how I got there. Um and it was it was it was and you you may have a question about this, but it was a hard process. It was challenging, especially during COVID and a pandemic. But I'm okay. so glad I did it. I'm so glad yeah. I did it. Yeah. 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 Uh <clears throat> what what insights did you learn? Like why what's happening in the household, like with the parents, like did you I, I I want before I get to the Booker T. Washington that part, like what did you learn from mm-hmm. what's happening in these households? Just, you know, parents don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them are they they definitely know about the Booker T. Washington, W. E. B. Du Bois piece of it, but they have no clue what opportunities are out there for their students. And for many of them, they may not even have a a degree. Um, they may have thought college was the only way, so I'm not going to do it. Some of them were first, most of them were first generation students if they do have a degree. Um, mm-hmm. And many of them had this, pre- some of them were, you know, HBCU all day, every day. If my child is not going to an HBCU, then they can't go to any other institution. Um, so there was a lot of, um, you know, thoughts around, where their students should go, why they should go there, and how that really will impact their family mm-hmm. economically. Like that thought mm-hmm. process, that four-year does automatically equal economic success. And that had a lot to do with their advising. Does um, the parent population, were they from a certain geographical area or like the people that you you did end up having these discussions with? They were all from Virginia and North Carolina. Virginia, North Carolina. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm. So I do. I, I from your dissertation, I uh, read you had a Harvard study in there from your dissertation. Seventy percent of poor children remain poor into adulthood. Mm-hmm. I'm curious your thoughts. How can CTE bridge that, like, be a bridge for economic mobility? Oh man, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it is a true bridge to economic mobility. I mean, one, I think career technical education gets students excited about learning. So right. if I'm a student and I'm taking math and I can know how math is going to impact my future, then I'm more likely to stay engaged in my math class, right? Um, secondly, it exposes the students to so many options that are fiscally responsible when it comes to their living situations. So I use myself as an example. I grew okay. up in a single parent household. My mom was great, was amazing. Um, but we lived paycheck to paycheck. And the thought process about how we were going to pay for college never came up. I was an A student. I graduated top of my class. Like I'm going to college is that never the question of whether or not I'm going to college never came up, but the question of uh, how we're going to pay for college also never came up. So I graduated from high school. I go out of state, which was is a huge was a huge mistake. <laughs> I go okay, out of state okay. and I get all this debt. Right. And then I I'm told don't stop. Keep going. And I get my MBA. Now, there's nothing wrong with uh, education. I I thank God for the undergraduate degree. I got my MBA. I don't even know why I got my MBA. I was just told don't stop. So that just seemed like the, the next better, right thing. The right. next thing to do, right? Yeah. Um, 
And when I think about, when I think back about it, I should have, if someone had given me more guidance, right, into how to go about that journey, my end goal was at that time law school, but there were other ways to get there. I could have stayed at the community college. You know, you could go to law school with anything, but I thought I had to major in a certain major to go to law school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even some of the conversations I have with my students who want to be doctors, you know, if you cannot afford the four-year education right now, it's okay. Become an EMT. Get mm-hmm. that hands-on experience. And especially if you need to make money, you could start working in the state of North Carolina, at least at the age of 18. And mm-hmm. here in North Carolina, EMTs make between 42 dollars to $45,000 a year. So now mm-hmm. you have a career with a decent income and you're getting um, experience. So when you get ready to apply to med school, you have experience on your resume. It's not to say that you can't go to med school. It's just a different way of getting there. A different and way. so I think CTE provides a, a different option, another option or a different path for students to take yeah. that oftentimes yields itself to um, less debt. So when you talk about the economic gap, uh, you know, we studies are out here that we carry the most educational debts, us black people, people that look mm-hmm. like us, but we're still lagging in our household income. But we got all this debt and it's getting to the point where the bachelor's degree is not really yielding the ROI, the return on investment that we needed to. But we got all these industry credentials that we can get. And a lot of them are through our local community colleges or even our high schools. Right. If 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 it's built into the curriculum at the high school where a student can get that credential and go to work and then keep building on and keep building on. And in some cases, some situations their employer will pay for them to go back and get the bachelor's. And now you have, you know exactly what you want to do. You're not spinning your wheels, trying to figure it out in college. And I, I, I want to repeat myself because I'm not saying college <laughs> is not for college, <laughs> college is in the picture. All I'm saying right. is because I have a doctorate degree. So I'm pro, right. so I'm pro college, college. <laughs> for the right, <laughs> like, right. It's like for the right with purpose. With right. Purpose. It's, I think it's, I think it's just saying, Let's be more purposeful and intentional about yeah. our educational right. choices post-secondary. However, like what you said, so many of us are working off of limited information of who we know in our immediate circle, network, mm-hmm. neighbors, church, a mm-hmm. uh, cousin, an uncle who's doing something or who's done something mm-hmm. and not fully aware of like what you just said the different roadmaps to get to an end to get to an end goal to be a lawyer mm-hmm. to be a doctor or the opportunities that exist post secondary that are credential based right and that are not connected to a four year degree can you uplift some of those opportunities that you know that are available like at the community college or maybe through partnership with like high school yeah. So I can highlight some of the partnerships we have here in, in Charlotte. Right. We have a program at our local community college where we have a partnership with Year Up. Man, this is mm-hmm. an amazing partnership. And Year Up is a is a, a national organization, um, you know, and they're here in Charlotte. But students come and they take six of I think six months of our business courses and then they have an internship with Lowe's or Bank of America. Okay. And more often times than not, I have not yet heard a, a point where a student was not hired by Lowe's or Bank of America with just those six courses, right? And in that program, they're learning how time management, dress attire, but they have something to work towards. They, they, they're they learning something that's applicable to maybe the job that they want to go into. And we've had students in that program, you know, start out making fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, seventy thousand, eighty, because they're in banking and corporate America making that money. We even even have some outliers out there that's making eighty and ninety thousand dollars a year. And they here's they don't have an associate's degree or a bachelor's. They took the right courses mm-hmm. that the employer needed. So that's one example. Another example is I think back when I was a coordinator, we had a student who took our HVAC program. He got mm-hmm. his degree as an HC um, student. And a lot of times in our programs of study, internships and externships and co-ops are built in. So students may, you know, take a class, take take classes for a week and then they go work for the next week. 
Well, this student, 18 years old, uh, graduated and started working for, I forget the company that's HVAC here in uh, Charlotte. Anyway, graduated with his two years degree. And I believe he started making maybe $68,000 a year. He had mm -hmm. an associate's degree. That associate's degree at the community college cost him maybe $5,000 for the time he was here. Um, immediate immediate return on immediate return multiple investment. times over yeah yeah so um you know i think about some of the credentials that's out there like nit comptia um you know i mentioned emt before where you have a lot of programs out there where you can get emt cert, um emt certified in a summer or mm -hmm. in a semester um BLET is another one, you know, so, or basic law enforcement training. I don't know if they have that everywhere. I know they have that here in North Carolina, but there's so many um, examples where, you know, you do a six month program, two year program, um, but it doesn't take you a long time to get what you need and to go to work. Mm -hmm. So here's, here's my, the part where I get really curious about how, because like you said, the conversation that is most impactful is the one that's at home, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do we get this list of six months here could equal 52,000, you know, like, yeah. like a year here or like this certification could equal, you know, 50,000 coming out. Like, how do we get that information in front of the students, parents, and get mm -hmm. them excited about mm -hmm. these opportunities that they may not be aware of personally? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. So um, I, I'll, I'll tell you some of the ways that we've done it here and some ways that I would like to see. So I, I think uh, around the country, really, you know, your workforce boards and your, your post-secondary institutions and even your K-12, they have uh, websites that you can go to to like see that right in North Carolina um, we have this website called ncareers.org where it lists out all of the credentials that you can earn it tells you where you can go earn those credentials how much money how much money you, you can make and I would I would just being in um, different circles I would go as far as to say it's not just unique to North Carolina you know what I'm saying right, like there not, are other not, right. right there are other states that do that do the same mm -hmm. thing but what I would like to see yes is the mentality of if they if we build it they will come like that needs to go away we really have to go into these uh, communities and have intentional intimate trusting conversations to help them re to help people reprogram their thinking and really show them these opportunities and talk to them I think that a lot of times in education, we ask too often for parents and students to come to us, come to our open house, come to our trade event, come to our this, come to our that, versus going to the places that they trust um, and really, you know, answering their questions one-on-one. -on -one. Um, you know, some of the things that came out of my study, I talked about some people being first-generation students. If my grandfather didn't, my grandfather, and I heard a lot of, stories like this when people were talking to me if my grandfather my grandmother didn't finish high school let alone elementary school or my parents don't even have a high school diploma I don't know if I feel comfortable enough to walk into certain spaces mm -hmm. and that's the kind of stuff that we have to think about if we say we want to reach people of color and in this case black people right yes. you know there are there are invisible barriers that other people may not get or understand but culturally it could be very hard to cut to cross a threshold when I feel intimidated and for some people they may say well you shouldn't feel intimidated you should just do it but if I'm not comfortable in that space but I am comfortable in mine can you get uncomfortable for me to get what I need and I think yeah. that's where we need to get to you know not everybody is comfortable coming on a college campus they don't feel like they measure up. They don't, they're scared. They're going to say the wrong mm -hmm. things or they don't know what questions to ask. But if we yeah. go to them, um, it, I think they, they will get it a lot more because they're, they're safe there. What are some of those safe spaces? You said come to them in those safe spaces. I'm curious mm -hmm. when you say 
safe spaces? Like, what are you thinking? So, um, well, if you haven't heard it in my language, I'm a church girl. I love Jesus. I do. I do. That's um, a, I set you up. That was an alley oop. That was an alley oop. Did I duck it? <laughs> um, so, you know, churches, I think, are one of those safe spaces. Church is really, really big in the black community. Um, right. And people may not always attend the church on a Sunday, but when they need something, a resource, they go yeah. to the church house, right? Um, they see their pastors and their spiritual leaders as so many things. Um, so more often than not, they're going to go, they're going to feel comfortable in those spaces. Um, I'll even add in there, you know, local libraries, like mm -hmm. people are, you know, and I'm not just saying you set up a board and say you, but no, you have a time, you have a space where you are interacting with those people and you're not relying on the library staff to do it. Right. Cause they don't mm -hmm. know your organization. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but I would love to see like churches being utilized. What's that? A, okay. Walk. Let's, let's imagine. Just, let's live. Let's just live there for a minute. Dream big, okay. dream big. Like you said earlier, yeah. what does, what does this church CTE event look like? Or this, you know, like this ex workforce development mm -hmm. church event, have you seen one or like what, like what in your head, how do you see this? And I have not seen one. I'm trying to think. I haven't seen one. Um, but I think back to where I grew up in uh in Lawrenceville, Virginia. And I remember, you know, Monday through Friday, Monday, Monday through Sunday, the church doors were open. There was okay. always somebody at the church. Um, and whether that was for, you know, we had a food bank or a daycare or whatever. But what would it look like if even at my church back at home, we had a space where there was a computer lab or there were workshops going on where families could come in and learn about different things. Um, we I remember growing up, they would do some workshops about like nutrition and, you know, right. um, how to identify abuse and all that kind of stuff. OK, let's have a conversation about college and career you know parent mm -hmm. this is the question you should ask when you're meeting with your your student counselor the counselor for your student or mm -hmm. the teacher for your student um these are things that you should look out for did you know that this program exists at your local school so um you know that that sort of thing and we're and we're partnering you're seeing potentially church and community college or um, high school counselors or people who have anything to do with these certifications here yeah. as if a I'm, resource. If I'm dreaming, if I'm yeah. dreaming, it's everybody. Because it takes yeah. it takes a village. So it is the the workforce board that all they do every day is talk to industry partners. They are they yeah. know the companies that's moving into the area. They know, you know, what because because they're having conversations with these companies, they know what skills are going to be needed. Um, yeah. It's the community college that could even potentially have a class there some nights, like yeah. and teach, um, even educate the parent, get the the parent upskilled and reskilled. Yeah. Right? Um, it's it's the local school teachers, the local counselor who can, you know, now the student and the parents see you outside of school hours. So now they feel more comfortable to engage with you and they see mm -hmm. you, they humanize you. So they're more comfortable asking questions. So if I'm dreaming, it's, it's everybody. And it, it, it's, it's even, you know, the people that um, the faith leaders that run the church there yeah. to maybe provide the spiritual side of things. Right. So that mm -hmm. everybody can kind of get the holistic support that they need. It's, it's. That's a, that's such a good, that's such a good, that's such a good idea. Uh, yeah, that's that's such yeah. a good idea, especially for those churches who are really, you know, going deep in their community uh, activism. Mm -hmm. So who knows? Some maybe someone here is listening, is maybe. is going to take this uh, Doctor Williams do it, do it. Uh, Church and CTE <laughs> uh, playbook here. Now look, let's okay, let's get back to Booker T. Washington, W. E. E. B. Du Bois. Like, what is the connection to CTE between these two, these two, like, titans? Like, talk to me. Like, yeah. what'd you learn? Like, what's their connection to CTE? There. Oh, wow. So, um, Booker T. Washington, I believe, and I hope it came out of my dissertation, he is the founder of Career and Technical Education. I mean, you, we know Dewey, we know Poser, we know those gentlemen. Thank, thank God for their contribution, but... 
we left out Booker T. Washington in the grand scheme of career and technical education, right? Um, he was very political, very intentional, and also politically driven in his uh, institutionalizing, or I would say, trying to systematically um, get Black people from being formerly enslaved individuals to uh, freed men. It was CTE, it was industrial education that drove that. Um, he established a Tuskegee Normal Institute, now we know as Tuskegee University. Um, and not just that, but like the what I learned that really blew my mind was just his involvement with all of our historically black colleges and universities, his involvement with uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. He was the person who named Black Wall Street. I was like, wow, like, you know, so like wealth and freedom and ownership when it comes to um formerly enslaved black people was really helped driven by Booker T. Washington. Um, he, white people listened to him. Now how he did it, you know, a lot of black people didn't agree with that. They felt like he was a sellout or he accommodated too much. He didn't speak up enough about injustices, but he really was behind the scenes, you know, willing and dealing, trying to get white people to understand like, I know you don't necessarily see us as equal, but we don't even have to work together. Just respect us, respect us mm -hmm. for our skills and pay us for our skills. I'm not even asking for you to like us. I'm just, mm -hmm. I just want you to respect us and remember us when you're out here, you know, during the, the, um, the revolution area, when you're establishing what the new American way will look like, you remember the black people that built this country remember their skills and hire them and pay them a living wage. And then you have W.B. Du Bois, who came several years after Booker T. Washington. But, um, you know, when it comes down to it, they pretty much believe the same thing. We don't have to be equal um, or, we, or we don't have to be working together, but you need to treat us as equal. Right. Um, and so a lot of people don't equate W.B. Du Bois with career and technical education, but he taught at Tuskegee University. Um, he was heavily involved in, again, the development of HBCUs and all of our historically black colleges were founded on teaching and developing those agricultural skills of giving mm -hmm. back to the communities that they're around. So, um, and then the contextualizing of the classroom were both of their, uh, their ideologies, I would say. They both believed in what a student learns in the classroom needs to relate to what's happening outside in their community. And that's what CTE does, right? It makes living plain, makes life yeah. skills very, very plain. Um, so um, they both were elitist. Um, they, their perspectives and how they grew up made their language about uh, what they wanted to see for Black people very different. But their ultimate goal was the same. And so people know W.B. Du Bois by his comment about the town's 10th, only 10% right. of um, Black people would be able to help the other 90% move up in generational wealth. And he labeled those 10% as doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs. But what people don't realize and what's not really talked about is before he left America and moved to Ghana, he changed that language altogether. He talked about the guiding hundredth which means it takes all of black people, all of their skills, everything that they bring to move a people up economically. And so um, I think it all came full circle for them. How do you, um, I think you're over here reading my show notes, my questions here, <laughs> because I was going to ask you, how how do you think about that, that shift in philosophy from the talented 10th versus the guided 100th? as it relates to CTE, like how do you see that guided 100 um, connection today as it relates to, you know, CTE and, and black parents? Yeah. So um, when I talk to black parents, again, a, li a lot of them really know, like I call them the major careers, doctor, lawyer, engineer, and then you throw a nurse in there. Okay. I think what the guiding hundred did was let's take that and HVAC tech or black Mason back then your boot shiner, your, you know, your auto mechanic, your uh, farmer, everybody, all the industries is what will help us move up as a people. And so in the 21st century, we need the doctor, the lawyer, the engineer, the nurse, but we also need the auto mechanic. We need the surgical tech. We need the CNA. We need um, the, 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 
plumber. You know, mm -hmm. I need the um, the person who lays my concrete. I don't know the technical term for that, but we need everybody to do their part, right? Yeah, and 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 when you think about it, uh, like when's the last time you called a, a, a doctor to come and fix your uh, your air conditioning unit at yeah. your house, right? And then and then the, here's the question: Did you look at that bill? Did you see, like, so I think there's also part part of this, right? The the trades, the status associated with mm -hmm. doctor, lawyer, you know, maybe entrepreneur of you in whatever trade or field, but but seeing the status level needs to increase. The 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 narrative needs to shift around these career options that create success and stability right. in families and upward mobility mm -hmm. uh, as a person persists uh, and sticks with that, you know? Yeah. And I, I, mean, I, you, I really go you ahead, think go, go. about generational wealth, right? Like, okay, let's look at our, our counterparts, our white counterparts. A lot of them, you know, even when I talk to this, this white males in school, they're like, you know, my father owns an HVAC or a welding or, or electrical wiring company. So I'm going to work in my family business. You know, I know I talk to a lot of black people who want to be entrepreneurs, like that is entrepreneurship that it creates is. generational wealth. You start a construction company and you just pass that through your bloodline. And before yeah. you know it, it's a 50 year old company. And you know, most people, using that example, they look at construction and they're like, okay, only people that work in construction, we just thinking about the people who actually build the things. You need an mm -hmm. accountant. You need uh, a project right. manager. You need uh, someone who could read blueprints. You need all the different components that goes into running a business. So you, you need a lawyer who can negotiate contracts or to go negotiate your RFPs. So mm -hmm. by having a construction business that's in the family, and it may have been started by one person who, you know, at the time, all they were doing were building things and different, but it has evolved and to this, you know, grand, I don't know. Organization. Just organization. Yeah. No, you, you're 100% right. Because you can look at a trade like plumber and say, Oh, someone's just a plumber that's that's so unfair that's not right. right when that person is taking care of his family with a great career great job but that plumber also that could turn into yes i'm a plumber and i have 50 vans that are out on the road or we you know we do all the commercial mm -hmm. plumbing for you know large corporations it can there's so many different ways but i think it goes back to what you said that exposure mm -hmm. um which I'm grateful for what you guys are doing with those trade days. And I think we need more things where it shows people, whether, like you said, we go to them or they come to us to see and experience other things that they may not have been aware of mm -hmm. that are connected to their, their personal interest. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> that's where we're going to find that success. So yeah. I, I do, I do have a question for you about going deeper on Booker T Washington. We, we touched mm -hmm. Talented Tenth and the Guided 100 on the other side, but I'm curious your thoughts, human capital theory and Booker T. Washington, how are they connected to skills and our future workforce? Yeah, so human capital theory basically says the skills that you earn or the more skills you have earn you more money, equate to more money. It's an um, economist theory. Uh, so with Booker T. Washington, um, he equated the, the formerly enslaved skills that they had earned or learned or been forced into learning, right, if we're honest, um, by working on property and picking cotton and, you know, building all these things, that should equal a certain amount of income. And so that's what he was preaching, you know, when he was talking to uh, philanthropic partners or you know, white men who were making these decisions, like, okay, you, um, we're, we're no longer your, your slaves. Okay. But make us people who contribute to society by paying mm -hmm. us a livable wage. And so my skill or our skill equates to this. So it's today in, in today's job market, I think that's where the job market is, is now turning. 
when we look at what industry partners are looking for, they're not really looking at the bachelors anymore. They're looking at, I'm not saying they've done away with it, but it's like the bachelors and these credentials. If you have these credentials, you can earn more money. Like your bachelor's is worth more money. Um, we have a lot of times at the community college, we have individuals who do have a bachelor's and they come back to us to get the credential that they need, right? Uh, so it's the skill is what is earning or is equating to a, a a dollar value today in the 21st century. So it's the same way as it was back then. Um, unfortunately, yeah. back then, well, I guess we could say it for today too, you know, Black people still aren't getting paid what they worth, right? The, our dollars are, are less than our white counterparts. And that's something that we, there's an opportunity there um, to grow. But we do know the research and what the workforce market, the labor market is telling us is that those credentials do earn you extra income. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, li I like how you, you frame that and really put it into a, a modern context where all the things that are happening in credentials and mm -hmm. badging and, and that sort of thing. Um, I, I do want to push on this, uh, the podcast CTE in color. Mm -hmm. uh, I am a fan. I encourage anyone who is listening to check your Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast so you can hear it in Zynga, um, dropping more knowledge and gems, but tell me, um, uh, like, What's the any inspiration behind that? Like the CT and CT and color podcast. Um, I owe all the credit to my dissertation committee, uh, because that was some of the feedback that gave me um when I defended um and we were we were reviewing was um one of them was like you should start a podcast, um because they really saw it and I I appreciate their their insight. They saw it as you know I just can't put out um academic journals you know I I will do that right but this topic is really meant to be very practitioner based like I want people black people to take this information if that means that I need I have to pull it out of that long dissertation and put it in a podcast so they can hear it um, they can chew on it they can push back on it they can you know disagree with me like all the things or they could be like yes 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 like we need to get the conversation going um, and I want so badly for um, people to have the knowledge um, yeah. the bible says people perish for the lack of knowledge and so I don't I want I want my people black people to stop perishing um, yes. when it comes to the economics and then we just continue to pile on debt after debt and then we get frustrated um, and it's not to take away from our um, oppression and the things that we have to deal with because of the color of our skin but mm -hmm. I want to provide hope there's something we can try to do about it right mm -hmm. learn so you can get the right skill and get what you need and and I know that they may not pay you what you're worth, but at least you don't have all that debt, right? To fight mm -hmm. again. You don't have the weight of debt to fight against all the other stuff that we got to deal with already because we're black, right? Um, so I I want to give my people um and other people benefit from it, which I'm totally fine yeah. with it. But yeah, um, I think I, I think yeah. that's I I I appreciate your primary focus on sharing it with our people. Mm -hmm. But I also, I also think uh, you're helping to sh just add more color, as you say, CTE mm -hmm. color, <laughs> to the narrative, the perspective, the voice, adding adding your voice to uh, the CTE space. I think is important and powerful, and you do you're doing it. And I think, I think you're gonna be surprised with, you know, as you continue on that journey because you really you're really on to something. Uh, yeah, really and I, and that's I why I wanted to have you on the show. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do want to help you know our people who are not black, right? Yeah. Really understand that it's bigger than just they just not doing it. <laughs> yep, there are yep. historical things that have gotten in the way, and we as a people have to climb out of that. And you can help mm -hmm. us with that. You know, pay us what we're worth. The start there, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but also understand the history that comes behind the black struggle in America, mm -hmm. um, and slavery really affected us in ways that we're still discovering. Mm -hmm. um, 
as much as I knew about Booker T. Washington, W.B. Du Bois, I have so much more to learn. Um, and like, you know, even go even further with other gentlemen who contributed to the space of black education in America, um, because it's just so much to unpack and I love right. it. So <laughs> what's I'm, I'm curious, give me one thing before we uh, I'm going to ask you this question. Then I have one more question for you to close us out. What um, give me something interesting that you learned about Booker T or W.E.B. Du Bois that you were like, wow, I didn't know that or something that was uh, interesting. Insight. Mm -hmm. I think for Booker T. Washington, it was why um, black people back then turned their back on him. When they, not, and everybody didn't do it, but why people disagreed with him. Um, and it was how he moved politically. Uh, if he was today in the 21st century, he would be a Republican. That he, yeah. he he would be a Republican through and through, right? Like, right. and we don't as black people we don't like to think of it like that. But let's you know that's it is what it is. And so I think that's what surprised me. I'm like, dang, y'all. He he was spitting knowledge, but because of his political party, y'all yeah. was like, nah, he ain't talking about nothing. <laughs> so yep. you know, yep. I think that 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 was you know, if anything, it was convicting for me too. It's like you know, we have to check we have to check some things you know, when we are interacting with people and just be mindful of our own biases in certain mm -hmm. situations. Um, and then I would say for W.E.B. Du Bois, it was the guiding hundred because I was like, okay, I really was just, you know, looking at W.E.B. Du Bois like, okay, I know he fits into the space of CTE because him and Booker, uh, Booker T. Washington was beefing. Like, so let me figure out right. why they was beefing. And then I come to find out they're the, they're exactly the same. He would have been a Republican too. Um, and, uh, but then you have this guiding hundredth and you're like, wow, like he, we really let, leave that out. Even in the black community, we don't talk about the guiding hundredth. We only hear why the is, why, why? I know it's so crazy. Like, I was aware of it. And then as I was reading through like your dissertation stuff and listening to your podcast episode, you brought it up. I was like, Oh, I forgot about the guy in 100. And it's such, it's so much more inclusive. Very. <laughs> than just the talented 10. Why do you think we don't hear much about the 100? I don't know. I, I, I could only, I'll, I'll answer it this way. I, I would encourage black people to know your history. I think yes. sometimes we regurgitate what we hear, That's, right? Yes. And we just, we, do, we don't say, okay, well, there has to be more. And so I think if, if we continue to learn our history, then we discover these new things. And what I appreciate about W.B. Du Bois is that he allowed himself to evolve. And I think Booker T. Washington may have had the opportunity to evolve too, if he had lived longer, he only lived till he was 54, but you know, um, WB Du Bois lived a lot longer. He was like, I'm out, I'm going to Ghana. I've had enough. <laughs> um, but did he, he, did he say doing, doing your research, like, did you gather any deeper insights onto why he shifted from talented tent to the guy at 100? Um, I'm trying to remember. I think it was once he realized that it wasn't working, mm. like he realized that. Um, and, and when he did that talented Tim study, he was really young. He had just, he hadn't even graduated from Harvard yet. So mm. I think just with age and understanding and listening to people and growing and reading and writing, like he wrote a lot and he, um, what's the word? Expouse. Is that the word? A lot. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And just his his thinking, and so I think um, by by talking to him, exposing himself to different things, and really saying, okay, maybe how I thought about that back then was just not the right. And he was so far removed from his upbringing. So, like I said, I don't know if I said this before, but Booker T. Washington was a slave, a slave, enslaved, and W. B. Du Bois was not. So W. B. Du Bois was privileged in a way because he grew up in a very 
um, aristocratic family, somewhat wealthy type of thing. So he even grew up in, in, a, in a block where um, he wasn't the only, he, he grew up in a very diverse neighborhood, white people, all these things. And so it wasn't until he was maybe 10 where he faced like, I'm sure before then, but where he can remember facing real racism, right? Um, and then I, I think as you get older and you life happens, right? You're no longer a young man, but life begins to happen. You start to think about some of the ways you used to think. Uh, I'm far removed from a mom and dad. Mm-hmm. I may not have my stake into the family wealth or whatever. Um, and so that could cause someone to change their thinking. I- I, I think it's it really says a lot. Like as you kind of we're having this conversation here about it with maturity, with you know, life and lived experience, mm-hmm. you you recognize, oh, I'm not just gonna stay loyal to this old way of thinking if it's no longer serving. And here's a new idea, a new concept that is more inclusive and is probably the next iteration of that, the right thing, mm-hmm. you know, that's all. Like uh, I said, I think Booker T. Washington would have done the same thing because he was very one. He was one who quoted like, "Pull yourself up by your bootstraps." Right. And we've mm-hmm. moved away from that. We're like, "What if they don't have boots?" And <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it is that is more inclusive language. What if they don't have boots? So I think Booker T. Washington may have gotten to that place. I mean, they both were. Yeah. The, they had. You work hard, you're going to get where you need to go. Like that was their thinking. And so in the 21st century, we don't necessarily carry that mentality anymore. We question, you know, different things differently. So I think if, like I said, if Booker T. Washington had lived, you know, longer, he would also evolved. Yeah. And I I also think too, on his side with, with him, it gets me as, as I was, as I've listened to you and talk about this, we can't just write people off. Like this man has such deep, deep impact on generations and generations and generations of of black people and helping to move them toward upward mobility and just American, like a, a true pillar of American history. When I read impact. how he, the money he raised for building our Southern educational system and most of our HBCUs were founded in the South. I was just like, yeah. so I want to do more. I'm like, okay, how much did he touch all of the other HBCUs? Like, that's what I want to learn or mm. research again. But I'm like, he, mm. man, would we have, I don't know, would we have yeah. all of our HBCUs if it wasn't for Booker T. Washington? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not familiar. Is there like a Booker T. Washington foundation or a state or something like, you know, like, where there is, you know, someone's re- I don't know. That's archived a, good a lot of things, or yeah, that may be interesting. Okay, yeah. last question. Um, curious how you're gonna answer this. Last question. This is something I ask all the guests on the show. Uh, what's your vision for the future of career tech education? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. I would say where it really is mm, more blended learning, where it's not separate from general education for our post-secondary folks, and it's not separate from core, our core classes for our K-12 people. Like it really is seen as an equal footing with all those other types of learning and and Mm. educational platforms, because I still think CTE is definitely still seen as less than it's where the students go who, you know, don't want to learn. It's a dumping ground for a lot of our, um, some of our schools. So um, our K-12 schools. So I, I just, that that's where I want, would like to see the future of education. Like it's, it's equal. It's, you know, compatible with our other forms of learning yeah yeah I listen we we are definitely in alignment with what you just said right there and I think mm-hmm. it's which is part of the reason why um I created this podcast to try to shift the narrative the conversation um to highlight 
the beautiful work, the honorable work mm -hmm. that uh, CTE offers and that it touches, it touches everything. It, li it literally is everything. It's like culinary, it's cybersecurity, it's plumbing, it's electrical, it's artificial intelligence, it's, it's all of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and and us uplifting that as uh, honorable, respectable work uh, where people are driven by their passion and, and things they care about. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your time, for being on the show today. How can if anyone wants to reach out to you, to connect with you, to have you deliver a keynote, a workshop <laughs> or something? How do we connect with uh, Dr. Nzinga Williams? Yeah, so um, you can follow me at uh, CT in color underscore the podcast on Instagram. And uh, you can also email me at, at uh, realeducatedllc at gmail.com. Awesome. I encourage you all to take a look at the podcast, CT in color. Uh, we'll make sure we put a link to it in the show notes as well. If you enjoyed this episode, don't be selfish. Share with a friend. This was something special and very unique, very unique. Uh, deep perspective on CTE that can help a lot of people for sure, for sure. So please share it. Um, and until the next time, to the next episode, remember you don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Global CTE Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to be the first to know about future episodes.